Good morning. Welcome to the Light on Suitability podcast with your host, Elizabeth Camo. Also, Sean is with us today, Daryl and Michelle Barfinkel. We are going to discuss today part two of our last podcast, which was overview on insight. And what I wanted to find out from Daryl is, and Sean and Michelle, is exactly where would someone start? Because there's one thing to be told you need insight. There's another to try and figure out, okay, well, I sort of have a basic understanding of what that is. Maybe I even don't have a basic understanding. Where do I start? So uh, I don't have insight. I don't know where to get insight. What do I do? So I am going to turn it over to Daryl to give us a primer on, you know, I'm a, I'm a, just went to my consultation hearing. I've been told I need to have a vocation, a GED, uh, stay disciplined free, get parole plans. And I'm also told to get insight, learn about my causative factors, learn about my character defects, my triggers, my contributing factors and everything in between. So I would like to know if you're uh, speaking to the family members for their, on behalf of their loved ones to help them guide their loved ones into finding insight, all the tools, resources, and everything else they can do to gain insight between now and their parole hearing. Another word that is being used as well is self-awareness. That's the new term that is being supplemented, I guess, su not supplanted, but supplemented and used in addition to the word insight now. So Daryl, why don't you take it away and then we'll move on as we see fit. Good morning. And thank you everyone for being at the podcast, Sean, Elizabeth and Michelle. This is a very, very important topic, insight. Uh, we chose it to start our, our new program because without insight, no one will be released from prison. Um, insight, first and foremost, is having the ability to explain the motivation behind the crime that was committed. What I mean by that is one needs to understand the mind state and the emotional condition that they were in at the time that they allowed themselves to commit the crime. And in doing so, uh, it takes a lot of diligence, a lot of honesty, and a commitment to yourself and to your freedom. I uh, like went to the board a number of times, and I was denied because I lacked insight. I didn't know what it was. I thought because I had education, because um, I've completed self-help groups, I went to AA, I went to NA, I thought that I understood what insight was. But when insight was explained to me, what exactly what was necessary to attain it, I was like, wow, I had no clue. Because in order to gain insight, you have to delve deep into yourself. You have to find out who you were at the time that you committed the crime. And many of us who participate in self-help groups, we use, like Sean mentioned previous week, timelines to where we find out who we were at five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. And then we go in the, and we fill in the gaps, the in-betweens. So I needed to go back to the year that I committed my crime, which is 1988, and ask myself honestly, 
who was I? What was I going through? What was I feeling? What was I thinking? And as I may mention, I was a very insecure person. I was a gang member. I accepted criminality as a way of life. Um, I was codependent. I was a follower. I was very immature. I was 17 years old, of course. Um, very irresponsible. I was resentful towards my parents. I was rebellious towards authority. So these are, and these are all character defects. And these character defects, as I may mention previously, they develop into the causative factors that lead to my criminality. And not only did you have to understand what your defects were, who I am, what we call today self-awareness, how did these things come about? Because when you go to the board, I told them I was insecure. They said, well, how do you know that? <laughs> we had to go back to the drawing board. I couldn't just come up with a bunch of a bunch of terms that we call character defects without being able to explain exactly what they were. For instance, I was insecure because I lacked confidence in myself. You know, and for many, many different reasons. But like I may mention, one of the biggest reasons were when I was young growing up and my parents split up, um, I for some reason thought that it was my fault. No one ever never never implied it, never insinuated it. Just young boys, we take on this this responsibility for whatever happens in our household. And I lived with that for 35 years and it wasn't even reality. And in going to my groups, I had to come to groups where my parents were adults. I was a child. They they can make a decision not to be with one another and have nothing to do with me, nothing to do with them loving me, nothing to do with them abandoning me. But in my little bitty mind, I thought they didn't love me no more because we weren't going to be a family. I thought I was being abandoned when I wasn't being abandoned. I thought I needed a substitute family when I didn't need a substitute family. They didn't quit the family. They just couldn't live with each other as, as married couple. So a lot of us have issues, self-imposed issues. And unless you go back and identify these things and feel what you felt, you won't be prepared to get out of prison because you're going to come home still with those same issues. Um, I was a game member because I wasn't happy with myself. I sought a substitute family as, again, thinking my family didn't love me and understand me. And I had poor associates. I had people who made really bad decisions. And when you're in a circle of people making bad decisions, bad decisions are really easy for you. And that's how it was for me. So I took on bad. I, made, I started making bad decisions. Um, I was a codependent. I became a follower. Again, thinking that I had an abandonment issue. I had never been abandoned. My family was always there for me. You know, but again, you take on this, this 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 mindset and it's flawed, the thinking process. But this is where I had to go all the way back to find out who I was. And then I had to learn again. How did I deal with my insecurity? I had to learn how to love myself. I had to learn to love who I am. I had to do positive self-talk. And these are things you learn when you go to these groups. And without the groups, without people like Sean, you don't get it because we used to have to talk to each other and help each other and convince each other that we could be better people, that we are better people. Um, for instance, a gang member. I went to Criminal Gangs Anonymous, CGA. I had to disassociate myself from my gang member friends and from that whole lifestyle. And then I needed to develop new associates in, in order to be a better person. Because the new associates, they don't want to deal with me when I was living with the gang members. So I had to go through that process. And that was a tedious process because I, I had to feel like I was alone all, all over again just to gain new associates. Um, my abandonment issues, again, like I said, I had to gain understanding that my parents' divorce when I was nine years old was their choice and it was no no fault of mine. 
And then I had to, and then that I continued to receive intense family love. So a lot of things like uh, we talked about, how did you gain this insight? What's the necessary steps? It's hard. And you have to be honest. And you, you have to become an open book. But if you're serious about change, you're serious about being free, then these steps are going to be easy for you. As painful as they are, they're easy. And Sean was with me during a lot of this process. We did it together. So um, before I say more, Sean, please share with us this insight process or what they call today self-awareness. For me, I had no clue about, as Daryl said, what insight was. And so I just thought insight was um, knowing um, why I committed my crime, right, at that time. But the board wanted to know, you know, what was happening in our lives that made us become um, selfish, uh, no empathy, no caring for other people's feelings, what they're going through. And so um, always have to revert back to our thinking, like what made me start thinking to where I didn't care about no one's life, no one's feelings, no, no nothing, right? It was only about me. And so um, as me and Daryl said, as Daryl said, we started going to the groups, CGA, Criminal Anonymous, uh, and uh, um, different other little groups, we started learning the inside. We started being around different people. And so um, going back, for me, I had to go back as a child, not making no excuses, not um, blaming anyone. But when I went back into my childhood, you know, growing up with a stepdad who was very abusive, he used to beat me and my mom like maybe three or four times out of a week. And um, and then eventually, you know, I went. I seen my older brothers were in the gang, and then growing up in the streets of Compton, um, we uh, I decided to get into the gang for protection. And so as I got into the gang for protection, it was only to to bring some protection for me and my mother. But what I didn't realize is that the gang was gonna bring other things with it, and that was um, doing criminal behavior. Right. And so when I got into the criminal behavior, though my mom raised me not to be like that, um, in order to survive in the gangs, I had to, you know, do what they did. And so as I started doing that, I became numb to people's feelings. I became numb to my own personal feelings. Right. And so going back, searching and looking into my life, starting from the childhood all the way up, um, I realized that. I became numb because of the gains. I became numb um, to be able to survive out there in that world. And then I started looking at um, my my mother. And so as as I looked at my mother on how she raises when we finally left my stepdad, um, like there would be kids out in the street, you know, in the neighborhood at school or whatever. And I was a little bitty short guy. So off the top, I had a little man complex, right? It was like all the kids wanted to pick on me because I was smaller than them. So I felt like I had to prove something. And then my mother would, you know, would come out and, and, and force me to fight. And so when I looked at that, I was like, wow, not blaming my mother, right? But understanding that my mother did that because of what we both experienced 
with my stepdad. And so I understood that she was just trying to make me tough to where I'd be able to defend myself because of so much of what we went through. But by my mother sending me out there and making me fight the other kids, I became um, ruthless, right? I became heartless. I, I became to where I didn't have no empathy for other people. Um, I really didn't want to look at that because I'm a mama's boy. I love my mother. It was just me and her. She was a single parent. And uh, to admit that I felt like that I was demeaning my mother. I was putting her down, right? I was saying she wasn't a good mom. Um, she raised me wrong. But that's not what that means, right? All that's saying is that this is where it started from. And my mom did the best that she could at that time being a young lady for she was a child when she had me. And so when I was finally able to, you know, admit that talking to girls, we sat in there um, at our jobs, talking to each other, preparing each other for the board. I realized that it was okay. And, you know, and then at the time, you know, my mother had just got killed in a car accident. So I was really skeptical about saying that, but, you know, like Daryl put it, he was like, you're not putting her down, Daryl and our, uh, other mentors, you're not putting her down. You're just acknowledging how you started becoming and thinking the way you did that ended up taking you, which is a causative factor, which caused me to commit my crime as I got older and all the other crimes in, as I grew up, right? And so when I understood that, um, I was like, okay, I see where it comes from. I'm not making an excuse for my, for my criminal behavior. I'm not blaming my mother or anything like that. I'm just looking at where it started at. How did I become this person to where I wanted to join the gang? And then I started doing all the criminal behaviors in the gang where, where I started having not, no empathy for people. Um, where I became heartless, where I became selfish, right? And so once I started seeing these different things on how I became this person, um, it was easy for me to start correcting myself, right? And start dabbing into them areas to change my insecurities. I was short, little, uh, insecure. Um, and then I made this, and I remember making a commitment saying that I would never ever let anybody beat up on me or beat up on my mom or just women period in my family. And so I became super protective over women in my family, just women period. Right. And so once I realized these things and I started changing that, right. Then it was easier for me to um, start having empathy. Now I'm not going to say it, it happened overnight. Right. Because remember my thinking in this game world um, was cruel and evil. And so it took practice. It took years, right? But once I started doing that and looking at that, it became a lot easier to um, think differently. And like Daryl said, we had to start removing ourselves from the gang members and start hanging around people who were like-minded like us that was going in the same direction as us, right? Um, hanging around people who we wanted to be like, to think like and act like and respond like. And so um, once again, it wasn't easy, but it started happening gradually. 
right? The more we hung around people, the more we talked with people who would think differently and, and our circle became different. So if I went to Durrell and I had an issue with um, someone that I felt that they disrespect me with Durrell would just give me a different outlook on things. And that became easier as in what our old crowd, they'd be like, let's go get them, right? It didn't matter that they seen me going in a different direction. It didn't matter that they seen that I was trying to come home, that I was trying to change, that I wasn't trying, that I was changing my life. Cause I don't believe in try. Either you're gonna change your life or you're not gonna change your life, right? And so um, me and Daryl would talk to each other and just you know, look at things differently. Like maybe that person's having a bad day. Don't take things so personal, right? Because, and don't allow that little man complex to rise up. Don't allow your insecurities to feed your mind with something that's not there. And so um, that that was a struggle, but it became a lot more uh, easier as I did it more. And so we use this concept as, um, so say I walk, it's people walk through a field all the time and say maybe the field first starting off has a lot of grass. But as people continue to walk through this field, the grass that they walk on eventually goes away and it's just like dirt. And then right on the sides, it's all grass. So that's the way our brain is, right? And so I needed a new pathway, right, to walk through. And so I created a new pathway, which was a, a, a new way of thinking. And so that's what started me in the change in my life. But insight is very important. Um, I hope that people wouldn't give up or get discouraged because of what they see. Other people getting denied at the board or what's going on around here. Change doesn't happen overnight. You just didn't become, um, me and Daryl didn't become a monster uh, overnight. It gradually happened. Like we were good kids, right? But as we hung around and started doing things and then, you know, um, we started becoming this other person. And it's the same way when you start changing your life and start going in a different direction. It doesn't happen overnight. And so I look at when circumstances come upon us, right, it gives you, it's not a test. Me and Daryl used to tell the people in our groups, it's not a test, right? That person is not testing you, right? It is an opportunity for you to use the knowledge that you have learned in these groups and that you have received from other people, right? And so when it became, when it came to me and Daryl like that, it was like, oh, okay. Because my brain didn't think, oh, he's testing me. He's trying me, right? I didn't think like that. Me and Daryl thought, okay, this is an opportunity to show my growth, right? To show me where I'm at in my life, right? To show me, you know, where I'm going. And so we would take that as not a test, but an opportunity, like I said. And so that became easier. And I, and I hope that that little piece of information, that nugget that I'm saying will become easier for people when things happen, that it's not a test because we seem to plex up when we're being tested. Either we give up or we rise up in the wrong way, right? But when it's told to you that you're given an opportunity to grow and to see where you at and to use the information that you have, 
then you realize, oh, I'm not going to die. It doesn't hurt, right? It actually makes you feel good when you pass it. And you might not pass it completely, but that's okay because it shows you where you at and what you need to work on, right? There's incidents that me and Daryl got into with people. Now, normally we would do some, some crazy stuff with them, but we didn't. We might have had verbal, right, and, and, and spazzed out a little bit, but we didn't put our hands on them. We didn't hurt them in a physical manner. It might have hurt them in a, an emotional, right, but we didn't hurt them. And so that right there was still growth for me and Daryl because we would have once done this and now we don't do, we didn't do that. We done this. And so it just showed us what we need to work at. Right. And that was okay because information, you know, pain is information. A lot of us are scared to look into the dark corners of our life. Right. But when you look into them dark corners and you cut the light on, you get to see, because if you don't see in that dark room, you start running into things, right? You'll bump over things, hit a couch, stub your toe. And so that was some of the things that we were doing in life. We were stubbing our toe. We were bumping into the couch or into the table, right? These are downfalls that we were having in our lives. But when we cut on the light, oh, I was able to navigate all through the house without running into things. And that's how you do. You're able to navigate through life without getting in trouble. That's what insight is about. Insight is about going back, looking into the dark places that you don't want to look at, uh, admitting things that you might not want to admit, you know, not blaming anyone, not making an excuse for things, but just understanding how I got from point A to point Z, which Z is when I committed my crime, right? Why did I do that? How did I get there? How did I not have empathy? How did I not... Uh, uh, care about that person's feelings and the domino effect that it had on that person and their family and their friends, my family, my my friends. And so uh, that's basically it, you know, with insight, just paying attention to them things and going back. John, just add to that, you know, going inside, figuring all that out. How do you under, how do you get there? Meaning that's all a very good overview of what you're trying to learn but how do you what are the nuts and bolts of doing that i'm sitting here in my cell wondering okay i was told to get insight i'm told to get deeper i'm told to figure out the motivations i'm told to find out who i was where do i start where do i go what do i do okay so for what i did first of all i went and found people who were in groups right and so I start pulling up on them, walking up to them, introducing myself, and then just start inquisiting them with, with questions about how did they change their lives? And so I started joining this group, joining this group, joining this group, and I started getting information, right? Information is powerful. And as I started getting this information, I started applying this information to my life. And um, I started... Uh, hanging around different people, a different crowd. I started reading books, right? People would give me different books to read, right? I would highlight the books, read it, go back, read it again, go back, read it again, doing different things to start changing my thinking. It always reverts back to our thinking. You have to change the way you think. And the way you change that is start reading books, 
getting information, asking questions to people you see going in a direction that you're trying to, you're going in, that you want to go in. And so that's what, that's, that's how I started getting my insight. That's how I started changing. Excellent. And I think, Daryl, you mentioned, I've heard you mention how you went about that, where you started literally, okay, I'm told to get insight. And I think you mentioned letters, writing letters to yourself and some other things. Can you add to that? Absolutely. Um, first, I want to say, I want to say this. We believe that everyone is good at heart initially. We believe that everyone, no one comes out the womb desiring to be a killer, desiring to be a game member, desiring to be a drug dealer. As I may mention before I answer that question, I'm 100% certain that when my mother had me, when I was a little boy, she did not hold me in her arms and say, one day I'm gonna go visit this child in prison, or one day this person's gonna be a gang member, or one day this person's gonna murder someone, or one day this person's gonna sell drugs, or any of that. So, um, with that mindset, that I knew that the life that I chose was not the life that my mother wanted for me. It made me, it gave me a, a foundation, okay? And I wanted to do something different, but I was weak. So I couldn't go tell people how I was feeling. So I used to write letters to me, about me. And I used to write and tell me what I didn't like about me. And after I wrote the letter, most of the time I tore them up, put them flushing down the toilet, I don't want nobody else to see all my insecurities and my flaws, but I started telling myself I have to do something about this. Another thing we learn is that bad behavior is learned behavior, okay? And if I can learn to be bad or negative, which is a lot of energy and a lot of time, then I can also revert and go back to the state I was prior to. Let me give an example, and, and this is big because it, in order to gain insights, you have to ask a question. And this question, I know it blew me away. I knew it blew Sean away. What motivated you to commit your crime? What motivated you? The board asked me this. Three separate occasions, I got denied every time because I couldn't explain to them what motivated me to commit my crime. And I had to admit the fact that even though it was a drug deal that went bad, um, and I used to hide behind the fact that I, they were coming to rob me, so I was defending myself. There's no self-defense. So there is no self-defense when you're committing a crime. If I wouldn't have been selling drugs, no one would have came to try to rob me. There would have been no murder, first and foremost. So greed was the first thing I had to be honest about. And then I had to think about I wanted to be accepted by so-called tough people. Like most people in prison, you want to be accepted by some people. And who are those people? Once again, those poor associates. Those poor associates encouraged me to become a gang member and helped me to accept the criminal lifestyle. All this is the motivation. And then, as a result of criminal lifestyle, poor associates joining the gang, like Sean mentioned, we began to lack empathy. We had no regard towards human life. And this is a process. Because at the bottom line, I didn't want to appear to be weak. That was my motivation. Everything, all those previous steps were taken because I did not want to appear to be weak because I was weak. Bottom line. So I had to assume responsibility, responsibility 100%. And I then, once you get there, 
then you still have to ask yourself, well, how did this happen? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, and it's a it's a big step. And then you delve into the, the the criminal aspects of why you join a gang, why you become violent, you know. And we know that gangs use violence just so they can have control over people. Okay, so when you're weak and now you have control over somebody, you think you're something. But that's part of what we call flawed thinking, because I still had a negative concept of myself, and and everyone's hurtful words and opinions hurt me, so that made it easy for me to hurt them. I feel well, you were hurting me, so I'm gonna hurt you. Uh, you know, and having a dis a, a distorted family concept also made things easy for me to go to the substitute family and believe in these people who I thought cared about me. But believe me, your criminal friends do not care about you. They're selfish. They're callous. If people care about you, they would want you to do something different. So we once we start embracing these ideas, and you feel like crap because you took on a new life and it meant nothing. There's no pension. There's no retirement. There's nothing to come with it. Now you start saying, I'm ready to do something different with my life. And now you start being honest and you start looking at yourself truly for who you really have become. And it's not a good guy. As Sean was, was, was mentioning, you know, so these are the steps. Um, and believe me, the letters that I was writing to myself, I was just nice to myself when I was just talking right now. The letters that I wrote were were honest, open, and it made me feel like I needed to feel in order to change my life, and it wasn't a good feeling. Let me see if Michelle's around. I'd like to check in with her on how she uncovers, number one, whether or not her clients have insight, need more insight, and what she advises on where they should start to find out more about that so i start with a lot of what the guys are saying so for me it depends on if my client has already done self-help or has not done self-help and what their views are on it so for guys that have never done any self-help they can do worksheets that i supply in the packets that i send to my clients to help start working on that there's also correspondence courses i recommend to help them start working on it like connecting the dots from life support alliance and then there's some other programs that also have insight courses. There's the Mindful Kindness program, and I believe PrEP has one also. But the letters to yourselves, the timelines, those types of things are important. For me, when I have a period of time to work with a client, I'll ask them to either write out their version of the commitment offense and send it to me, or we'll talk about it verbally, depending on our time constraints. So we can start kind of going through that and asking the same why questions and what the motivations were. But that's normally where I start with is how they, what their attitude is about their commitment offense. And then looking at what programming they've taken so far and if they've gotten you know, a good amount out of it. Thanks, Michelle. I also wanna add, Elizabeth, what Daryl said about how he was writing letters to himself about um, what he didn't like about himself. So that was one of the exercises that we will have people doing that we did, me and Daryl. But we also wrote an exercise about what we did like about, each, about ourselves. And what we found out is that we can write a lot of things that we don't like about ourselves. But when it came to writing about what we liked about ourselves, it was very few. Like in our class, it was like maybe 10 things, if that, maybe five that people can write down on what they liked about ourselves. But when it came to 
what you didn't like about yourself. Well, that list was long. That was to show us, you know, how we didn't look at ourselves. Like, because there was a lot more. We just couldn't think like that because we were just so focused over here on the negative, right? And we didn't look at ourselves in this light over here. So I wrote a lot of things that was negative about me. But at that time, now looking back now, I can say, man, there's a lot more things I could have wrote about that I liked about myself. You know, though I was a gang member, you know, I still had a good heart. I still liked to, uh, helping people. It was just all different types of things that I could have wrote down that I didn't because I couldn't see that in me at that time, right? Because I was just focused on the negativity that was going around in my life. So that's a good exercise as Daryl was speaking about writing a letter and then to yourself and then writing about what you dislike, but also write about what you like about yourself. And then when you look at the letter that you write about that you don't like, then you start working on. Don't throw the paper away. Save that. Start working on that. Start working. Okay, I don't like the way my anger just goes crazy. So now start working on your anger. Start taking courses that will help you deal like AVP, you know, to start helping you dealing with your anger. Anger classes, you know, they have anger classes and stuff like that. Uh, start reading books to help you deal with your anger. Uh, whatever it is that you've written on your list, start working on that. You don't have to work on all of them at the same time, but just one at a time. It's like eating an elephant, right? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so one step at a time. Work on this, then work on that, and then work on that, right? And so that's how me and Daryl started changing our lives while we were incarcerated, Right. We started working on one thing at a time. Right. As we do out here, we're still working on things. Right. That'll never stop. And so just remember that. And that goes for people inside and outside. You know, if you, you know, you're writing down things that you don't like about yourself. Well, look at that list and pick something and start working on that. I want to add something to that, Sean. Criminals are not the only people. Gang members are not the only people who have character defects. Exactly. Everyone has character defects. Everyone needs to know what their causative factors to whatever life decisions they make are. And everyone needs to set up coping skills. Everyone needs to understand what their triggers are, internal, external, and how they can pre prevent themselves from making the same mistakes. So we want the families to understand it's not just your loved one who may have issues. Because you all have issues too. We all do. And if we take the practice and apply it to everyday life, not only can the person that's trying to get out of prison become a better person, but he can also come into a better, he or she can come back into a better environment because the family's also making adaptive changes to the way that they live, the way that they think and the way they believe and feel. Because many of our core beliefs started at home. And I want to add this, Sean, and we talked about this. And like we talked about when you were young and you used to have to go out and fight you know, so that your mom could make sure that you knew how to defend yourself. I tell people, our parents, they gave us the best they could, but we need to be twice as good. We don't look at it as if it was a negative because without those skills that you had, you wouldn't have survived those years in prison. You wouldn't have survived those years growing up in the city of Compton. So a lot of things may have looked negative. There's pluses to it. And now you can manage that. And now we teach people how to defend themselves 
Now, had you never known that, you wouldn't be able to teach people how to defend themselves today. So, I mean, there's a lot of pluses to it. But I really just want, and we are trying to encourage and motivate as many people as possible to this reversion that we're calling people to, meaning bringing them back to their natural state before they chose any path that led to their destruction. Reversion is the name of our game, and this is what it's all about. Insight, self-awareness leads to reversion. I love it. I love it. Uh, I want to wrap it up with Daryl letting us know what's uh, on board for next week. I think we're going to talk about character defects a little more next week. Very important so that we can get to know who we are, how we, and what our defects of character are so we can uh, be aware, correct them, change them, manage them, and then be a better person for the people that surround us. So we're going to talk about character defects next week. Appreciate that, Daryl. Does anybody else have anything they would like to chime in about before we say goodbye? I just wanted to add one thing with in the writing of the letters to your former selves and writing out your version of the commitment offense. I also recommend that you write out the version of the commitment offense from your victim's perspective. And that's going to open your eyes to a lot of things. And a lot of the documents I recommend writing, I do not recommend submitting to the board. A lot of them are just to help you prepare yourself and get yourself ready to understand who you were because you have to show what was inside of you then. And one step deeper is how come there were other people like you with the same problems and they didn't follow your path? So that's why it helps to keep going and writing yourself letters, writing out your timeline, writing out what happened from your view writing out what happened from your victim's perspective, as you can imagine it. And then, of course, you have the official version. And so that's how you're going to learn about yourself to find out what was going on. It's a lot of self-reflection. And, and to chime in on that, um, what you were saying, Michelle, as you're writing these letters, when it comes time for board, right, it's going to be a lot easier for you to write your victim's letters, uh, uh, all the letters that you need to write for board and you're going to be able to put it in the right way because you know uh, that was a that was another big thing that you know writing your victims letters right uh or writing your remorse letter right um there's a certain way that you have to write that without re-victimizing the family members or or your victim if they're still alive right and so that's important that writing as you're doing that, right, you'll become more familiar on how to put your board packet together and uh, writing your remorse letters, your closing statements, right, things like that. And so uh, I also recommend that, you know, you get somebody who knows how to write these type of letters to educate you on that because I've seen, me and Daryl seen a lot of people who wrote letters and them letters, and even me, right, it seemed like I was writing the letter, but I was being selfish. It was about me and instead of more about the victim, right? I was talking more about me instead of the victim. And so that's very important that you learn how to write these because if you write these letters and then you try to submit them to the board or whatnot, and it, and it looks like you're being selfish and you're just talking about you, right? Because it's not about you, it's about the victim, right? When you're writing your remorse letters to your victim, and when you're writing your closing statement and stuff like that. 
So that's very important to learn how to do that because then it looks like you're arrogant, narcissistic, you know, and you really don't have no empathy and nothing. So uh, that's very important to learn how to write the letter. So doing that will help you out, but also get someone to your attorney, you know, guys that you know that uh, that already did their letters and wrote them before. That's good that the board complimented them on. They got a date or something like that. Start doing that. <clears throat> Also, I recommend on top of um, what Sean said is, you know, definitely ask your lawyer to look over it. You can read it to your lawyer over the phone. You don't have to mail everything to your lawyer. You right. can say, hey, can I read this paragraph or can you send it on the tablet? If I send you this paragraph, what does it sound like? But you can also now send your remorse letters to the Office of Victim Services again so that if your victim ever actually wanted to see it, they can. So the Life Support Alliance, LSA, they put out the California Life for Newsletter. They have the amends project and they actually discount you if you get it with that insight program connecting the dots, but they will go over your remorse letter. They'll give you feedback and you want objective feedback because you know what you're trying to say and what you meant to say, but sometimes it doesn't come across that way when somebody else reads it. It's like Sean said, find somebody you trust or someone that's really objective to read it. Not someone that's going to say, yep, that sounds good and never, ever ever ask for forgiveness that is not your place thank you michelle that was beautiful that was thank excellent you. excellent so thanks everybody so we'll see you next week and we're going to talk to our audience about all of our character defects yes indeed